The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, I'm Gina Thomas-Kelly from SB Nation. And I'm Amir Tyree from DraftKings Nation. And we're the hosts of Football Cheat Sheet, a brand new podcast that comes out every Friday and provides you with the tools you need to win money and dominate your friends in fantasy this NFL season. This week, looking back at week two, Amir, I think that the biggest storyline was the injuries around the league. That's something that's really going to impact people's lineups going forward. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is one that I know he was a player that I targeted high in um in every season long league that I'm in and uh that one especially just was a gut punch. Yeah, it's gonna be guys like him and um Saquon Barkley who was a key guy in my uh DFS lineup this past weekend. Oof. Uh both of them went down. I actually had a piece of uh both of them so they pretty much well uh, McCaffrey got through most of his games but, but Barkley yeah he killed mm-hmm. me and those are two guys that a lot of people were drafting like one and one and two overall in season long fantasy drafts so now people are going to be scrambling to get those uh, handcuffs of guys coming in behind them. So yeah. definitely some interesting situations that are going to affect the makeup of people drafting toward the top. Yeah, and with um with the Giants, they brought in Devontae Freeman, who is a player that I'm very familiar with from his time in Atlanta. He had a couple of good seasons, one really standout season for the Falcons, but um, I wouldn't really base his potential on what we saw from him in, in his you know recent time with the Falcons because their offensive line has been terrible at run blocking, and um, the offense as a whole, just they were never able to really get the, the run game going. All you have to do is look at Todd Gurley's performance so far um, and see that that's still an issue for them. So I'm actually really excited to see what he can do. He's somebody who's also really adept as a receiver out of the backfield. So I think that he's he's going to be a nice complement to their offense. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how he combines with a guy like Deion Lewis, who's also a versatile back who can contribute through the passing game out of the backfield. But yeah, some people forget it wasn't that long ago when uh, Devontae Freeman was the number one running back in standard leagues i want to say 2015 so uh-huh uh, he's not he's not that far from him today he can do some of the same things it's just a matter of uh how well does he know that offense and how well how early will he be able to step in and be an impact player so maybe not a guy immediately from the jump who can just take off and carry a heavy workload 
But definitely as the season goes on, I could see him taking on a larger role. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other team that was hit really hard by injuries this past weekend was the 49ers. And so Garoppolo looks like he's going to miss time. Um, they've got both Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert on the, they're both sidelined with injuries. So um, that's going to be really interesting out there in San Francisco too. George Kittle's currently hurt. I think it's just a knee sprain for him. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know that he'll be able to play this week, but I don't think that he'll miss a ton of time. Yeah. And just the 49ers overall, when you look at even the defensive side of the ball, uh, Richard Sherman is looking to get back. Nick Bosa down with the ACL. So just the entire fantasy outlook of that entire team is up in the air. And then you look at the quarterback situation with Nick Mullen's likely to get the start. He's a guy who's going to be interesting to watch just because uh, very ambitious um, with his throws down the field. And the limited time he played last year, he was toward the top three or four as far as um, yards per attempt. But it'll be interesting to see how he approaches that with their limited receiving core that they have there as they still look to get their guy uh, Debo Samuel and a couple others back. But we'll see if he's still um, you know, as risky trying to throw the ball down the field. He's not a guy who's shy about taking that deep shot down the field. Yeah, which could open up some opportunities too as you look at uh, which defense and special teams unit to start. And then the other thing that stood out to me, and this is not going to surprise you or anybody who has listened to the the show so far, um, the Falcons, you know, I don't even want to talk about the onside kick lack of recovery. But what I do want to talk about is their offense because it's just Matt Ryan is looking more and more like a like a guy that you should be playing if you can. Um, I mean, he this past weekend put up 273 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Um, and then the interesting thing is that Julio Jones, who's been a little bit um, hindered by a hamstring injury that was worse than the team let on last week. He ha- he was really a non-factor against the Cowboys. Um, four catches, 24 yards. I'm sure that Julio Jones owners were all mad about that um and I don't blame them but it's been interesting to see the guys who have kind of emerged as threats on that offense you know Calvin Ridley has four touchdowns so far in the season um that's pretty impressive Russell Gage who is a guy that a lot of people might not have heard of coming into the season but in week one he had a huge game and then um this past week he only had 45 receiving yards but did add a touchdown which bumped up his points and then Hayden Hurst looks like he's emerging as a solid target for Matt Ryan he had 72 yards and a touchdown against the Cowboys so yeah it's kind of interesting to see that that offense is firing on most of their cylinders at least um but you know i think that the rest of the team is just so bad and sloppy in general that they can't win of course wins and losses don't matter in fantasy football you know it's individual player performance so that's why the falcons are so fascinating to me i do have calvin ridley in in i think every season long league and so at least i can get some joy out of the falcons when they when they implode <laughs> which i don't expect that Sunday to be the last time. Yeah, the thing to draw from that is it has to be tilting for Julio Jones owners for just seeing just the no no touchdown, which you know what he's capable of. But there's just so much talent around them now. It's almost like Calvin Ridley is operating as the number one guy. Just Jones is just always the touch. You know he's going to um, get opportunities down the line. You know he's going to get uh, plenty of targets and he'll find. But just the touchdowns has always seemed to elude him. If I were a guy who had him on on a season long. I just look at it week to week and just like all these players around him. Do I, I really almost considered like benching him in some situations, depending on what the rest of what the rest of my lineup looks like. At least if, you're, if your leagues aren't too deep, it's just like, it has to be frustrating. 
It really does. Yeah. And especially in larger leagues, I think, you know, with 12 players or whatever, um, whoever has him is not going to have a a lot of other options behind him. This is why I've actually steered clear of Julio. I mean, I love him as a player. I, you know, I'm a huge fan, but I have steered clear of him in season long for years because I just, I know that he's probably not going to get those looks at the, uh, in the red zone and um, with other targets who seem to have really good chemistry with Matt Ryan and Julio draws a lot of coverage. I I mean, I've seen him make circus catches when he's triple covered. And so if you have to dedicate that much to one guy, it does make Gage and Hayden Hurst and Calvin Redley more appealing options because one of those guys should be open if Julio's on the field. Yeah. You almost hope you could just drag and drop them into the Tennessee Titans offense (laughs) and get them that, that kind of red zone production. But that's just been something that's always eluded the Falcons and just cuts down on his fantasy value. Yes, um, there are a lot of things that elude the Falcons, including, uh, yes, including success. And, <laughs> and all forms of defense. And on the on the flip side of that, like Matt Ryan's quarterback performance, um, I have to say my eyes about popped out of my head when I saw what a bad game Kirk Cousins had on Sunday. He was 11 of 26 for 113 yards, zero touchdowns, and three picks. One of the guys at our uh, Viking site, Daily Norseman, had tweeted at me that their quarterback had a 0.0 quarterback rating, and I had to look it up because I didn't even know that that was (laughs) possible. So I just want to offer my condolences to anybody who was – forced to start Kirk Cousins this past week or who decided to on purpose. That was a uh, that was a rough, rough day. <laughs> Sounds like he's the reverse Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy I was looking at to have a big game in week two when I was just kind of looking at uh, the different matchups in daily fantasy because you have um, Xavier, Xavier Rose over there now, who was a Viking last year, who fell off a cliff and was no longer that uh, top corner. And Rocky Sin was dealing with stomach pain, who was the second year uh, standout that they like in the secondary. And he he didn't even play and he couldn't uh, take advantage of that. So that was surprising to see when I expected him to kind of dominate that, especially after putting up 34 points in week one mm-hmm. and uh, lighting up Jair Alexander and having the Adam Thielen connection. Yeah, I have a feeling that a lot of people saw that week one performance and they're like, you know, he seems like a good play. And then, whew. He was just definitely not. <laughs> yeah, and they bottled him up, him and uh, Cousins and Thielen, which is surprising. And then, um, yeah, I did want to talk just a little bit about the uh, about the Saints-Raiders game. That was surprising. I mean, I know that with Michael Thomas out, it makes things a lot more challenging for Drew Brees. But uh, yeah, he just did not look like himself on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at that's really two performances in a row where Michael Thomas wasn't really much of a factor in week one, but it's people are talking about uh, Drew Brees' decline, which he came out and um, said a couple words about how he's not worried about having the most air yards in the NFL, and that's not necessarily his job, but he, which is right. But he also has to make plays, and their entire offense can't be predicated on Alvin Kamara's success. Mm-hmm. Like that, That's just going to be ridiculous. He has a good tight end in Jared Cook, but he doesn't have that wide receiver too that he really depends on, which he talked about um, hopefully getting a breakout season from Traquan Smith or uh, Deontay Harris having a, maybe a breakout season who's usually return specialist. But yeah, it's just he's, he's not really uh, throwing the ball down the field. And this is a guy who broke the NFL record for completion percentage, and he's in the bottom half of the league at uh, completion rate. And you have to think about if this continues, will they be, will they even consider a quarterback change? Which sounds crazy considering where he stands as yeah. far as uh, all time quarterback standing is his accomplishments. 
I've been looking at some reports of uh, Taysom Hill maybe getting his uh, getting his time cut down as far as participation in special teams mm-hmm. and things like that, which he, he has such a small sample size of even I can't I don't even he hasn't even thrown 60 passes in the NFL, maybe. And then they have uh, Jameis Winston coming off the bench. So you have to you know at least consider them. If they, do they look on the bench if they consider to see this same little production, see if they can provide a spark even looking at their quarterback depth chart uh, there in new orleans it is kind of crazy that they went into the season i mean they had teddy bridgewater they could have resigned him and um instead they decided to uh yeah roll with Jameis and Taysom hill and i think that Taysom hill has more he has fewer completed passes than Jameis has uh pick six touchdowns <laughs> Yeah. So um, that's, it's just kind of an interesting juxtaposition there. Like their options behind Breeze are just not ideal. And Breeze, his arm strength has looked to be declining for a couple of years. You know, last year, Michael Thomas had a fantastic year, but they were, it was mostly on short passes. I mean, that was the reason that he had so many completions. And so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see once you know, Thomas comes back if Breeze is able to get back into a rhythm, but he definitely did not look like himself on Sunday. Yeah. And with me, I'm just being so weird about Taysom Hill because I actually, I actually have him in my season long league and he's just kind of chill. He's just kind of chilling. I was hopefully, hopefully maybe they could like list him as uh, something <laughs> else, like a, a running back or something, just because he lines up in so many uh, just weird situations. But I've just, I've just been really big, which I wrote something um, earlier this week on just um, how I like drafting dual threat quarterbacks higher up. Cause my two quarterbacks right now in season long are uh, Cam Newton and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, I drafted as a first round pick, which has panned out so far. I was like, let me, let me just take a risk. This is like <laughs> two quarterback, two quarterback league. And we all have like, and a uh, 12 or 12 team, uh, 22 players. So I was like, yeah, let me, let me just take a risk early. So I'm just I'm hoping he can he can uh, get in and get some of that action, but probably Winston will be the guy mm-hmm. um, I would think who comes off first. So yeah, it seems like they could at least classify Hill as a flex, and because it really is what he is. I mean, he's a true flex player. <laughs> he can he plays all kinds of roles in that offense. But yeah, now let's transition to someone who's on the rise, which is Josh Allen. Um, the Bills are two and zero right now. Allen, the guy I talked about, how I was skeptical about him throwing the deep ball he comes out and leads the NFL in passing yards through two weeks so definitely surprised about that and he hasn't really had to use his legs too much but we know that that's um, definitely going to be a factor he was bowling guys over on one of the couple rushing attempts that he had uh, this past week and his uh, completion percentage has been on the lower end as far as starting quarterbacks and he's it's early but it's over 70 percent so far so how much do you believe that uh, Josh Allen has take, taken a major step this forward and that he can keep it going? I mean, it certainly looks that way so far. Um, yeah, I'm, I've been really impressed. I did not expect him to be this sharp. And I think that, you know, it is still early in the season. We're working off of, you know, a, a, an, a preseason where there weren't actually any games. So I think that everybody is just kind of getting up to speed. That may be part of it. But yeah, I mean, he has looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, you know, Buffalo's defense is is really the issue there. And that was the, that's the opposite of what I expected from this team this year. So I've been really impressed with that one so far. Yeah, because a lot of people see how well-rounded they are, but then they nearly lose and give up 28 points to the Miami Dolphins in week two. And especially, especially with their uh, secondary because they have you know legitimate defensive player of the year uh, candidates candidates in there and then 
that's a little disconcerting. But if they keep doing it like that, it's clear that they want to let Allen air the ball out so it could make for some high-scoring games. I did consider starting Allen in DFS last week, and I guess that um, my biggest miss of last week was just forgetting to submit my DFS lineup altogether. (laughs) We're both in the same boat there. As I had mine, I had it queued, and I literally just need to import my lineup. So if you guys know any other podcast that is literally just giving you free money, uh, let me know, but this is, exactly. this, is that, this is where we excel. If you want free money, you tune in to Football Cheat Sheet every Friday. Small small field, you have a good chance at winning some money if we continue to just neglect internal yes. lineup. So there's that. I can't guarantee I'll do it again. Yeah, I plan to actually submit my lineup this time, I promise. Um, but in season long, you know, I did mention last week that I thought Matt Ryan would be a good play. At this point, it's feeling like it's pretty obvious, but Um, like I said, the four touchdown day against the Cowboys, you know, at least having Matt Ryan as a starter in season long made me feel better about the fact that they blew that game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then Russell Gage is another one. Um, you know, I was planning to play, I've had him in my DFS lineup that I did not submit and, um, he would have put up a decent number of points for very little money. So those were my biggest hits from last week, but yeah, I still can't believe that I forgot to set, forgot to submit my lineup. But yeah, I didn't necessarily talk about, um, Noah Fant, but he was a guy in the line in the con in the contest that I did submit lineups for. I was uh, big on um, Noah Fant in the contest I was in. I think he, he was under 2% owned, um, but now his pricing has shot up on DraftKings. Um, a lot of people looked at him as one of the top candidates to have a breakout second year. And now you look at all the injuries that um, Denver is dealing with at the quarterback position with Drew Locke going down with a shoulder injury. Cortland Sutton is back on the IR with a knee injury. And now Jerry Judy is dealing with his ribs. One of the most consistent guys as far in, the, in their pass catching group is going to be Noah Fan, who scored a touchdown in each of his two games so far. And I think I want to keep riding uh, him throughout. I have him in season long as well. So I've kind of been double dipping in season long fantasy, throwing him in DFS lineups. But if by some miracle he's not, you definitely want to pick him up. Yeah, Denver is an interesting situation. It's just like you said, the injuries, I feel like they're piling up everywhere and um so it'll be interesting to see what fan can do yeah and then also i want to go over uh that i I miss i had i picked on aaron Rodgers to uh tear apart the detroit lions but then aaron jones just wanted to end up stealing the show and just having (laughs) a monster game and eat them alive because Devontae adams uh pulled up with his uh hamstring injury in that game which from what i read it seemed like he wanted to come back in that game but they were just looking at the long-term outlook and he means so much to that organization especially with its receiving core but just him and Allen's Allen Lazard both busted and then it was just basically the Aaron Jones show so yeah I was surprised to see it. but they still ended up putting up even with the receivers limited like that they put up 40 plus points for a second week in a row so that's actually a really nice segue into our mailbag questions for this week because our very first question this week from Dust Dynasty Dynasty was should they bench Devontae Adams with his bad hammy and matchup for Deontay Johnson yeah, that's going to that's going to be an interesting one. I would lean toward Devontae Adams. It's hard to I I, I assume he, I assume he'll I assume he'll play. But mm-hmm. when you just consider how much um injuries kind of hampered his season last year, they might want to be cautious about it. I'm not sure if it's if it's like a adre- adrenaline made him uh seem fine to want to come back into that game or maybe if it's gotten worse throughout the week, but that's something to monitor. I would def- I would go I would go with him over um Johnson when you have a clear guy above him in Juju Smith-Schuster. But uh, yeah, Deontay is up 
toward the top of the league in targets, which is surprising. And he's definitely he's definitely getting a lot of opportunities, but just uh, the catch rate isn't there for me to be uh, confident in going with him. And one thing to keep an eye on, too, is that Juju was held out of yesterday's practice. Um, I think that he is dealing with a hamstring, too, but um, knee. No, it's knee. But um, they, they're the Steelers are expecting him to play. And so that is definitely a factor in that decision. I would also stick with Adams. Um, I don't think that the hamstring is going to be something that necessarily slows him down throughout the week. It's something to keep an eye on the Friday injury report, obviously, especially. But um, as long as he's even limited on Friday, I would feel pretty good about having him in my lineup. Yeah, which even um, just looking over, I just wanted to check the numbers on that. Deontay Johnson right now is tied for third in targets in the NFL with 23, whereas Devontae Adams is behind him with 20 after he would have gotten more had he remained in that game. But yeah, the upside is the, is there for Johnson. But I just think a go-to guy like Adams is a safer play. Um, and just because Aaron Jones stole the show last week doesn't mean that that'll be the same this week. You know, Aaron Rodgers is always ready to do some damage to opposing defenses. So I think that Devontae Adams should be fine. Um, we also had a Falcons question from Baskin Dobbins. Is it normal to fantasize about the Falcons being good? Yes, but as long as you're just keeping it in the fantasy realm because they're not good. So don't, <laughs> don't get carried away there. <laughs> Okay, and then on to an actual fantasy question from Eric Monson. He wants to know which two to start, Devin Singletary, Terry McLaurin, Mike Davis, Tyler Boyd. Hmm. For me, I would have to go with Terry McLaurin and Boyd. Mm -hmm. uh, Singletary splitting that workload with Moss, and then Mike Mike Davis, I'm not super sure about how the Panthers will approach um, having him uh, back up Christian with Christian McCaffrey out. He was surprising and um, caught eight passes for over over 70 yards um, his last time out with McCaffrey, um, still getting plenty of time in that game. How much will they utilize him? I really can't be sure where I know Ter Terry McLaurin is definitely number one out of this list for me. Mm -hmm. It's a toss up between uh, Davis and Boyd for that second spot, but I would go Boyd because I can't I just can't see Davis being that kind of workhorse, especially when. Teddy Bridgewater's had so much success with Robbie Anderson and some of those other guys in the receiving core. McLaurin is a guy who made his way into most of my DFS lineups last year and so far this year. And he's, you know, he can be boom or bust, but um, he puts up points more often than he doesn't. And so he's always a guy that I would play. And then, yeah, Boyd, I think would definitely, it would just edge out the other guys for the reasons that you said. Tommy would like to know, uh, should he start Baker Mayfield or Justin Herbert? And I have to say, we saw I mean, Herbert looked really good in his surprise start. After Terod Taylor went down with a punctured lung uh, that came from a team doctor trying to give him a pain injection for his ribs. Yeah, Herbert, I thought, looked surprisingly good. Some of that may just be the fact that teams don't really have film to work with on him. It's very difficult to be prepared for a quarterback if all you have is this college film, because obviously coming into a completely different system, et cetera, you just don't know what to expect. Um, so that may have been a factor, but I don't think that, you know, one game worth of film is going to change that much. I think he's still going to be a little bit of a mystery for defenses to figure out. So I would definitely go with Herbert over Mayfield. And it's, a, it's an interesting group of quarterbacks to pick between because both of them have strong run games. And I look at the Chargers have run the ball more than any other team in the NFL so far with 83 attempts. Uh, Austin Eckler got somewhere around 16 while uh, Joshua Kelly came in at over 20. 
in their last mm-hmm. game uh, as far as carries. But I'm not sure how much of that was just trying to run the clock and hold off the Kansas City Chiefs and get that <laughs> upset or whether they were just a little bit unsure about whether they could trust Herbert's arm. And then uh, Mayfield threw 23 passes in week two, 200, 219 yards with a touchdown and a pick. But when you have that battery, arguably best one-two punch out of the backfield in the NFL with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. But he also, you know, I think they I think they might trust his arm a little bit more. For, so for me, I think I would go with, Mayf- with Mayfield in this situation because I'm just <laughs> – I'm just not sure about uh, Herbert's grasp of the entire offense, but hey, if he just comes in and just slings it again, but I don't, I don't think either one has like a create like a crazy high ceiling. There's just like yeah. one is significantly above the other, but the success of the ground game early, I think, is going to create the game script for them. Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right, and they both, I think, have pretty decent matchups this week. Um, the Browns are playing the Washington football team, and the Chargers are playing at home against the Panthers. So, yeah, um, I think that you could really go with either of those guys, and you're probably, you know, I don't think that there's going to be a huge difference in their performances. And then I think that that brings us to our locks of the week. Um, and <laughs> yeah, you're going to sense a theme here. As you all know, I am a Falcons fan, which means that I hate them. And I really think that Mitchell Trubisky is a, is a good start this week. And that's not just because I hate the Falcons. And I, I do think that he has an opportunity to repeat his week one success this week um, because the Falcons are really, really banged up on that side of the ball. Uh, the injury report that they released on Wednesday was just a disaster. Like it was basically the whole defensive roster. Is what it felt like Somebody said, this is the injury report. I thought that was the depth chart. Like it, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, you know, Trubisky is going to have a uh, a lot of opportunities against the Falcons defense. I haven't looked at what he costs in um, in DFS this week, but I can't imagine that he's going to be one of the top priced guys. And so, you know, you should be able to get him for a decent value, I would think. Yeah, just off the top of my head, I want to say he's uh, low to mid 5,000s. Yeah, so that's a really good really good price range that would free you up to, to invest more in other positions. Um, and I think that he should have plenty of opportunities to put up points against the Falcons. And yeah, with that one, I just think it's not necessarily about how good Trubisky is, but just how bad the Falcons have been so early. Yeah. Which, yeah. Surprisingly, the Seahawks have somehow managed to give up more passing yards than them this year. So there's that <laughs> to go off. But then, you know, then they're they have Russell Wilson on the other side. I think that that was more about Matt Ryan and this offense being good. And then the Falcons defense is the opposite. So yeah, yeah I, I, I say I'm going to, I'm going to stay with my trend of starting a quarterback who faces the Falcons <laughs> again this week. That's my lock of the week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Deandre Hopkins who has that matchup. I I'm going right back at the lions matchup, even though it didn't uh, work out great last time out with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So two of the, uh, one of the better batteries in the NFL right now between Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Hopkins has looked great since joining the Cardinals. Some people were a little skeptical about uh, whether Murray would be the kind of guy who could get him the ball consistently and whether they'd have the kind of chemistry given just the target share he had in Houston with Deshaun Watson. But he leads the NFL in targets so far. He's got uh, two touchdowns on the year. And he's caught 88% of the passes that have been thrown his way. So, um, and that Lions secondary is still beat up right now. When you look at uh, Trufant, uh, one of your former Falcons is uh, still mm-hmm. well banged up. And then even Jeff Okuda, who he's the seed of their um, of their defense's rebirth, is kind of coming off the bench. They're not sure if they want to match him up one on one. 
with another team's number one guy. I watched a little bit of tape. I didn't catch the whole uh, Lions-Packers game, but Devontae Adams was definitely working him at the line of scrimmage at with, uh, with his release. So you have to think he's going to get some of the same if he gets matched up against DeAndre Hopkins, who is uh, another one of the better route runners and then just making uh, tough catches. I think he's going to give them some problems. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, he's always been a, a receiver that I have loved to watch, but knowing that he's that he's caught 88% of the passes that have been thrown his way so far is, and that's just a ridiculous, ridiculous percentage. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, small, small sample size, but I just, you know, the Lions don't have that uh, lockdown guy and they're a little banged up and Murray's going to keep going back to him mm-hmm. when you have to contain Murray's speed he's run for three touchdowns this year it's hard to you know because you guys they have to be prepared on that edge because he's he's coming around he can take off around the corner yeah yeah just 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 the two of them together yeah and especially against the Lions that's a really favorable matchup for that Cardinals offense so looking at sleepers this week, um, and I guess, you know, that mine is probably not much of a sleeper. Actually, he seems pretty obvious. But, um, you know, Mostert's banged up out in San Francisco, which we already talked about. Tevin Coleman's out for at least four weeks. He's a candidate to land on IR. And so, I, you know, the, the 49ers are going to be forced to look to the second guy on the depth chart, Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon is McKinnon is cheap. He's only $4,900 this week on DraftKings and the Giants ranked 24th in the league right now against the run. And McKinnon has the ability to make some big plays. And so I really think that he is a smart play this week. Yeah, I wish I would have tried to get him a little bit later on in that draft, but just such a uh, weird running back situation in San Francisco. We know they like to uh, take the by committee approach. But yeah, McKinnon, who is playing now for the first time after sitting out two years straight his his touches have been limited but he's just been ridiculous from what from what I've seen so far mm-hmm. and then just looking at you still have to expect Jeff Jeff will they still expect Jeff Wilson to get some touches but how about uh, McKinnon's at 16.8 yards per carry right now <laughs> and that's so, pretty good <laughs> well yeah he's he's run the ball six times for 100 101 yards Kyle Shanahan's amazing at um, just the way that he schemes for his running backs. And so I think that that's another reason that I really, really like McKinnon. Um, He just knows how to take advantage of their strengths and put them in positions to make big plays. So, yeah, eager to see what he does this week. And he will definitely be in my lineup, which I will actually submit. (laughs) Yeah, I'll definitely look out for him. But then also there's just the inherent risk that um, they also they also want to use him as a receiving back, which should raise his upside. Mm-hmm. And then I just feel like there's just so much unpredictability when it comes to San Francisco's backfield sometimes because he might yeah. he might get like eight carries or or something, and then maybe he makes like nine catches for like a hundred yards or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's just uh, just figuring out how they want to distribute his uh, usage. But uh, they'll get more of a feel for him in more of that uh, feature back role, and you'll have a good idea about uh, what you could expect from him moving forward. I think after this game coming up. Yeah, definitely. And then for my sleeper of the week, I'm gonna go uh, with Adam Humphreys, who was uh, not he's not a he's not a big name in the NFL for sure, but I picked him up on the waiver wire and he helped me win uh, my week two contest, caught a touchdown. So shout out to him. Uh, the Tennessee Titans receiving core was uh, slept on last year. They're showing that they're a lot more than just running the ball with Derrick Henry this season, and he only had 374 receiving yards last year, but clearly they like him. And Ryan Tannehill has uh, solid chemistry with him as he signed a $36 million contract over the offseason. So it's clear that they believe in him. And when you look at uh, Tannehill's efficiency, um, and if you've seen any of the tape of the two working together, they really know how to pick apart matchups. 
especially with him working in the slot. And the A.J. Brown uh, being out indefinitely with that knee injury uh, makes Humphreys a lot more important to this team, where a lot of people are going to want to go over to the Corey, Corey Davis, which he might not necessarily have the same upside as that. But he's gonna he'll probably be this uh the second guy, just about even with John U. Smith as far as who Tannehill looks uh when he's passing the ball. Like you said, especially with that injury to AJ Brown and um Corey Davis is a guy that when he first came into the league, I think I drafted him in every season long league because I had very high <laughs> hopes for him. And then, you know, he's he's been very up and down. Obviously had a, a good week in week one. Um, but I think that Humphreys has a chance to really emerge as a bigger component of this Tennessee offense. So, uh, yeah, how did you do last week with um, with your uh, money line picks? Just a, I felt just a little bit short. I like the giant. I like the Giants to come out on top over the Bears, but that was before everyone basically exploded. So there's that with Saquon Barkley going down with the ACL, and then they had mm-hmm. uh, and Sterling Shepard is dealing with that toe injury. They end up losing 17-13, which was hey, really close. If those if those injuries are, um, aren't a thing, I think they have a good chance to win that game. Uh, another game that I signaled out, it wasn't my official money line pick, but I liked the Jaguars to be competitive. They ended up losing by three, but it was really close down the stretch. I'm going to come back to a team that I picked in uh, week one to get an upset. I'm surprised that they're not favored against the New Orleans Saints in week three. But the Green Bay Packers uh, plus 150 at New Orleans um, in week three. I definitely like that one considering uh, the amount of points New Orleans just gave up uh, to the Las Vegas Raiders in week two. And you look at Green Bay coming off two 40-plus point performances. Um, I, I think they're just going to come back and uh, really lay it on and continue to be one of the better offensive teams uh, in the NFL. And especially when you look at that, the Saints do have the great uh, run defense, which they've done a good job of uh, bottling up the opposition's uh, top guy. But uh, Jones is also one who can make catches out of the backfield. Yeah, the one-on-one matchup between uh, Lattimore and Adams is mm-hmm. tough, as Ad- as Adams did. Or not Adams, but uh, Mike Evans had a tough matchup uh, with him in week one and only had one reception. But I think when you look at how dominant the Packers have been so far, it's hard to – it's hard to see. It's hard to see them losing out for a New Orleans team without their top option to me. So I think that's what stands out most as far as an underdog pick. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, as a Falcons fan, the only team that I hate more than the Falcons is the New Orleans Saints. And so <laughs> I certainly hope that you are correct about that. Uh, I think just being at home was enough to give New Orleans the edge um, as far as odds, but. I think that I agree with you. I think that the Packers should be able to take this one. So um, we already talked about my two players that I've got in the doghouse this week, and I let my dog Baxter decide this time. Um, So I gave him the option of Julio Jones, which was a treat and his Falcons football, or Kirk Cousins, which was a treat in front of this little toy that I think it's a barbarian, but it kind of looks like (laughs) a So, you know, it was very Kirk Cousins like uh, Baxter did choose Julio Jones. So I agree with him. Um, you know, I just think that and it's not really his fault. I don't think that he was 100 percent last week. I, well, I don't I know that he wasn't 100 percent last week because the team came out and said that, yeah, the hamstring injury was more serious than they let on and, you know, saw him a couple of times pull up and, you know, he was in obvious pain getting stretched out on the sidelines. So um, I really don't know that 
that Julio is going to improve. Cousins had a much better outing in week one than week two. I mean, week two was abysmal, but I think that it's something that, you know, he's not going to have a 0.0 passer rating every week. So uh, whereas Julio Jones still probably is not going to score many touchdowns. (laughs) So I, I agree with Baxter. I've got Julio in the doghouse this week. Uh, for mine, maybe I can light a fire under these players like I did last week as both my doghouse guys had great games. I had DJ Moore, uh, who had a – yeah, he had a great performance against the Tampa Bay Bucks. And then uh, Mark Ingram, who was looking like he was losing his job to J.K. Dobbins, ended up – he took a direct snap and uh, ended up scoring a touchdown later in the game against the Houston Texans. But my two guys this week, uh, still TBD for which one I'm going to go with or whether my dogs will go with. But uh, T.Y. Hilton and Ronald Jones are my two. And T.Y. Hilton was it. He's the clear number one option. But one thing that stood out to me was he only played 58% of the snaps for the Colts in week two, which is, yeah, that's eye-opening. And then Michael Pittman Jr., the rookie, ended up playing like 92% of the snaps. And he was a game-time decision leading up to that game. Wow. So Yeah. That is uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going what's going on there. He does uh, still lead the team in targets, and he's behind Mo Ali Cox, who went crazy for like 131 receiving yards, filling in for Jack Doyle, which I don't see that happening again. Yeah, yeah. T, you expect T. Y. Hill to you know he's a guy who get can get those yards after the catch, and you always want him on the field. Seeing him play so little was eye opening to me, and maybe they're ready to just let Jonathan Taylor loose. But we'll see if that is a, a trend, is something that continued. But Hilton is always banged up, it seems like. So maybe an injury or something uh, mm-hmm. that was hindering made them want to be cautious with him. But yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. And then my other one was going to be uh, is Ronald Jones. There's no indication that he's lost his job to Leonard Fournette, but Fournette went for two scores over 100 yards on 12 carries against the Panthers uh, in week two, who have been the worst rushing defense in the NFL so far because they gave up three rushing touchdowns to Josh Jacobs in week one. And then Leonard Fournette, who barely knows the offense and uh, for the Buccaneers, just takes off on them. So um, if they can get more consistency from the ground game through Fournette moving forward, he hasn't necessarily lost his job at this point, but you have to think that they'll be – more ready to throw Leonard Fournette in the mix moving forward after such a strong performance. Yeah, absolutely. Well, folks, then you should, uh, you know, since since Amir was able to light a fire under his uh, doghouse picks last week, you may want to consider putting Hilton or Jones in your DFS lineups this week. Maybe. See if the same thing happens. We'll we'll keep track of it and we'll let you know next week. And that is it for our show today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Amir, where can everybody find your work and where can they find you on Twitter, etc.? cetera? Uh, you guys can find me at uh, DraftKings Nation, which is where I write uh, just fantasy football advice and analysis, uh, news and injury stuff just throughout the week uh, across the NFL and some other sports. And on Twitter at it's underscore a miracle. A-M-E-E-R-I-C-L-E. And you can find my work at sbnation.com and thefalcoholic.com. And um, you can also find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. It's J-E-A-N-N-A Thomas. And that's where you should look if you want to play DFS with us. Um, I'm going to set up a standard lineup. It's going to be a standard lineup with a $50,000 salary cap, uh, 10 people, top it's a ten dollar buy-in the top three payout so check my twitter for that um join us amir and i are going to try to remember to submit our lineups this week so that we can take your money yes we will have actual players in our lineup this week (laughs) you can stamp it 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you next time.